Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has gone by incredibly quickly, but it's always nice to pause and take stock. What's something you're proud of in 2024 so far? What's something you still want to accomplish this year? I know I'm guilty of falling into a routine and not always thinking about the bigger picture, but as the great Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So it's crucial to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you contextualize your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. As you surely know by now, it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is helpful in all kinds of ways, including learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. If you've been considering trying therapy, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and was specifically designed to be flexible and customizable to your schedule. To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash film daily. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for December 12th, 2017. On today's episode, we're going to be diving into a bunch of news, including the first reviews of Star Wars The Last Jedi, box office tracking, uh, the Disney Fox deal, what will, what will it hold for Wolverine and the return of Hugh Jackman. Uh, we also are going to be talking about Movie Pass and how it has accounted for over... 10% of the opening weekend ticket sales for some movies. Uh, Netflix has released some binge stats that are worth uh, chatting about. And uh, word that millennials are, millennials are still going to the movies and why. Uh, and lastly, we'll talk about Lady Bird has been dethroned as the best reviewed film of all time on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, this is Peter Strada and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Senior Writer Ben Pearson. Hey, what's up? It's Last Film Writers, Chris Evangelista. Hello. And Y Tran Bowie. Hey, everyone. We have a full house here today, guys. Uh, but let's just jump into the news. You know, it's Star Wars week. It's finally here. I feel like this is the week I've been waiting for, you know, this whole year. And I, I don't know what to do with myself now that it's actually here. And uh, what comes next? I don't know. Uh, but uh, the reviews have hit this morning. We talked about general reactions yesterday. Ben, you kind of did a roundup for the site, 
But you actually saw the film last night, so I'm not sure if you want to give your spoiler-free reaction as well. Uh, my spoiler-free reaction is this movie is very, very good. I actually listened to uh, yesterday's podcast episode of Slash Film Daily, and I actually echo everything that you and Chris said about it in that I think ultimately if I had, you know, gun to my head right this second, I think I prefer The Force Awakens, um, you know, story-wise and, and just like the sense of fun that's in that movie. But the highs are way higher in this film and Ryan Johnson is just like the perfect fit for this. I mean, it, it is a it's a fantastic movie. Um, it it's really long and it it sort of feels long at times and feels a little bit unbalanced where some of the characters don't have quite as much to do or are their storylines aren't quite as important feeling as the others. But um, those are very very minor uh, quibbles with what is a pretty tremendous movie, I think. So what are the first reviews saying? Are, are there any negative reviews out there? There's ask. one negative one that uh, that has been getting a lot of flack uh, from Variety, where uh, basically the, the sentiment is that the movie is ultimately a disappointment. The, the uh, writer basically says that uh, Johnson is not able to um, sort of break free from the corporate aesthetic that, uh, that sort of overtakes the Star Wars movies in his uh, estimation. But I think everyone else that I've seen... Uh, including the, I don't know. And by by least... the way, people should not seek out that Variety review because there are some big surprises uh, spoiled in that yes. writer's review. Yes. So I'd say, uh, you know, if you go to SlashFilm.com and read Ben's article, he has excerpted, er, excerpt, uh, you know, non-spoiler uh, segments. Yes. Yeah, yeah uh, for sure. And I think, you know, almost across the board, with the exception of that Variety piece, everyone at least... Um, you know, has had a good time with the movie and and doesn't have too many bad things to say about it at all. I think uh, mostly it's it's pretty glowing praise, um, especially for Johnson's script. And and there are ways that, you know, we've been talking for months now about how this movie is different and surprising. And, and a lot of these reviews sort of dive into uh, exactly how that is the case. So you can go to Slash Film and read the full uh, review roundup there for more about that. But yeah, in general, um, the movie is is very well received, and actually, it's the highest rated movie on Rotten Tomatoes right now at ninety six percent. So that's pretty good of all the Star Wars movies. Yes, yes. Um, I also published my spoiler free uh, review on the site today. You can go there and read that. And I, you know, do I mention zero plot points? I spoil nothing. Somehow, it's over three thousand words. <laughs> um, uh, you know, speaking in vagities and uh, nothing that I think would would spoil your experience. And I think um, after you see the film, you could read this and, and kind of figure out what I'm talking about. Um, yes. So anyways, check that out. Uh, you know, it's hitting theaters this weekend. HT, how is it tracking at the box office? Is it going to beat Force Awakens? It won't beat Force Awakens, but it will be close doing that. So uh, industry exe- industry insiders are estimating that Star Wars The Last Jedi is tracking for 425 million worldwide. And while this sounds like a lot, it's only 200 million domestically, which again is like kind of saying that in in context of how well the Star Wars movies do. Uh, so Force Awakens broke records when it opened in 2015 uh, with its worldwide opening amassing 529 million. So 425 does not yet reach that, but with the positive 
uh, feedback and buzz that we were getting the past couple of days, perhaps it could get close to it. Uh, so it does not look like it will beat Force Awakens, but it will definitely be this, probably the second highest Star Wars film after Force Awakens. Yeah, and, and Rogue One is the number two Star Wars films at, at, at this point with 155 million. So it's kind of it, it's expected to blow that away. Mm-hmm, um, definitely. Yeah. So uh, we will be following the story. Uh, you know, we're, we've been talking about this Disney Fox uh, ac- acquisition deal, which might be even announced by the time we post this this podcast episode. It's expected to be announced tomorrow. Um a lot of people have been speculating what this deal uh, might uh, entail. Will Hugh Jackman return to Wolverine coming out of retirement if uh, this deal were to happen to join, you know, the Avengers and the MCU? Chris, you wrote an article about this. What do we know? Uh, the answer is no. Hugh Jackman will not be uh, returning to Wolverine. Uh, as everyone knows, after the film Logan, uh, that was supposed to be Hugh Jackman's final take on the character. He's been playing the character for 17 years now, which is very impressive. Very, I don't think there are many actors who have played one specific part for 17 years like that. And basically he says, you can read the full quote in the article on SlashFilm.com, but he basically says, unfortunately that ship has sailed for me, but for someone else, I would like to see Wolverine in there. So what he's saying is he's uh, if Wolverine does end up in the MCU, it's going to be someone else playing the part. That's a little bit disappointing because, I, I mean, I know he is getting older and you, you probably don't want to see. I mean, after Logan, there, there's not much more to be told in that story. Um, but it would have been cool to see Hugh Jackman as Wolverine alongside uh, the Avengers. Um, Better HD, right. do you have any thoughts on this? Yeah. Um, yeah, go ahead, H.G. Uh, I would prefer not to see uh, Hugh Jackman come back as Wolverine, actually, because Logan was such a perfect uh, emotional arc and uh, narrative arc and ending for this character. So I feel like you wrote an article about this, Peter, about the uh, lack of stakes and uh, endings for a lot of characters. And I don't want to ruin that <laughs> perfect ending yeah. ending that we got with Logan. Well, Logan takes place in the, the near future, so this could be take, taking place in the now. Right. Like, yeah, that's, that's, like, that's yes, what that's I was going to say um, is <laughs> that that would that would be the only way if they if somehow Hugh Jackman, you know, releases like four bombs in a row and uh, is desperate for a hit and like really needs to make a cameo or something. You know, maybe that's how they could explain this away is that it wouldn't necessarily take away from the emotional um, catharsis and, and that great ending of Logan. You could just set it before like in between X-Men Days of Future Past and or uh, X-Men Apocalypse and um <laughs> have and we forgotten Logan. about that film already? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh okay, moving on. We've been talking a lot about Movie Pass. Uh you know, th- th- this is a service that offers for 9.99 or 6.99 or whatever it is a month for people to see as many movies as they want one a day in in participating movie theaters and we've you know oftentimes said uh you know what is their end game you know they they definitely are losing money uh now movie pass has released a press release kind of giving us a a clue at at their end game ben what do we know yeah, so they um, they just uh, signed a deal with a uh, okay. So the the press release says that they've signed a marketing and performance based review agreement with an independent movie distribution company. So I, I guess what that means is 
they're going you're going to start seeing MoviePass ads pop up if you haven't already. Um, I reached out to the people who run MoviePass and asked them about this independent movie distribution company if they could tell me anything about the name of that company, what they're doing, and they are playing it very coy and saying that they're not disclosing the identity of the company at this time. Which I'm like, okay, fine. Like, I'm not really sure how MoviePass teaming up with an independent distribution company fits in with that company's model. But uh, they are, you know, from the very beginning, they've been talking about, um, you know, dropping that lower price tier and, and sort of changing the game, which is what they've done over the past few months, and then gathering a large number of customers so they can then collect data on their viewing behaviors and then send them targeted advertisements. So I guess they're like, moving into phase two of their plan, basically. Um, but sort of, uh, I guess, on top of that, they've also been crunching some numbers and, and come up with some interesting results um, as far as box office impact that MoviePass has been having. So MoviePass ticket sales, ticket purchases, actually accounted for 13% of the opening weekend domestic box office for uh Denzel Washington's most recent movie, Roman J. Israel Esquire, and 10% of the opening weekend take for three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. So uh, that's a pretty, I mean, 13%, 10% of an opening weekend haul, that's like a pretty impressive percentage for a company that has only been sort of, you know, in this this sphere uh, at this price point for what four months or something at this point so um yeah that, that's kind of a, a you know good for them i guess <laughs> yeah i mean i think what they're saying is you know i mean obviously those are relatively small movies um but they might be small movies that people otherwise wouldn't have paid money to see on the big screen and because movie pass you know people have gone to the theater to see these movies you know some some even more than 10 percent of the box office is attributed to movie pass so if MoviePass is uh, aligning themselves, you know, making partnerships with uh, movie studios like this independent movie studio that we don't know what it is, uh, maybe somehow they can push their subscribers to those movies, and maybe yes, that's yeah. maybe that's how they make their money. Maybe you know, in the end, uh, you know, the the movie theater is getting the full price of the ticket, but the you know the the movie company itself is paying an advertising fee to MoviePass uh, in some way. Some yeah, that definitely sounds like where they're going. Um, and yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, it's it just interesting to see in in the end if if that's going to be enough to 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 turn a profit for MoviePass because I like having my MoviePass card, but uh, I still don't think that they're going to be able to make as much money as I'm. I and many others are, you know, costing them seeing movies in theaters. <laughs> um, uh, on that same note, Netflix has released uh, some stats for the binge watching in uh, this uh, in 2017, uh, putting some customers uh, to shame. Ben, what do we know? <laughs> so yeah, they uh, they just released a press release. Um, basically, they surveyed more than sixty thousand members. Uh, from between November 1st, 2016 to November 1st, 2017. And they found out that collectively the Netflix uh, subscriber base watches 140 million hours of content per day on Netflix, which adds up to over a billion hours of Netflix content a week, which is really kind of crazy um, when you look at it at that scope. Um, 
just a little piece of trivia. Mexico outranks every other country when it comes to the number of customers who watch Netflix every single day. So that's uh, a tiny, you know, like a weird uh, statistic, a weird outlier. So they're they're throwing all sorts of stats around. They they ended up uh, calling out a couple of users one not by name just anonymously but they they said that one person watched pirates of the caribbean the curse of the black pearl for 365 days in a row so i don't know who that person is but they really really love that movie i I have Uh, to imagine they're like you know it's a parent with like little kids that's just putting that movie on but that's not even a movie for like little kids right no it's not yeah that's what i was thinking my first thought was like yeah i went through that exact same thought process of like oh maybe it's just a a comforting thing to have on the background but that movie is like i mean it's a it's a pretty decent movie but there's a lot of uh I, i would pick other films to relax to let's put it that way um and then they also on their social media account called out they said to the 53 people who've watched a christmas prince every day for the past 18 days who hurt you so you know that's kind of like a a funny thing but i'm wondering in this article that i wrote like is it amusing or a little weird that they're tracking all these habits and you know i I talk in the piece about how um you know they've been tracking the the viewer habits from the start because that's how they figured out that they wanted to get into producing original content because uh house of cards was the result of them figuring out that people loved David Fincher and Kevin Spacey. So they decided to team them up and create an original show. Um, But the idea of them sort of, uh, (laughs) you know, going out on social media and like putting people on blast like that um, sort of breaks that unspoken uh, line that we have that unspoken agreement that we've made with Netflix where we we all know that they're watching us but we don't really like to hear about it you know um, so it's just a, it's a privacy thing that uh, that's been in the news I mean ever since Edward Snowden really but um, but yeah just something to think about yeah I, I mean this is a long way from them calling out people for you know directly for what they right, their, right. their their movie watching habits and uh you know, honestly, I think on my Netflix list, I don't think there's anything embarrassing as far as I know. <laughs> okay, that sounds like a lie to me. First of uh, all, A Christmas Prince is not embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> is it? I, I've never seen it. It's good old-fashioned, cheesy fun and not a great movie, but a f- entertaining one. That's the important thing with cool. Christmas movies. Well, well, we'll see if that's in your best, your favorite Christmas movies of all time list, <laughs> which will, will, will be next week. Um, but moving on, uh, millennials are still go- going to the movies, and apparently it is because of these reclining seats, according to a new study. Chris, tell us about it. Yeah, so it, it seems like every other month there's a, a story about some industry that millennials are killing like Applebee's or something like that. And apparently there's there's one industry they're still wait, okay wait, wait, with. Wait, wait a second. Millennials are killing Applebee's? Yeah, there was, a, there was a whole article about how millennials are killing chain restaurants like Applebee's because they're not going to them. We're because... also killing napkins too, apparently. That's right, yeah. Millennials oh. hate napkins. It's... <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're just not how do, napkins. how do they eat their avocado toast without napkins? I don't know. They, they like we, it messy. Yeah. We wipe it on the leaves that we grow organically in our backyard. Uh, yes. So, <laughs> I don't know so, why so, I keep so, saying they, because I too am a, a millennial. <laughs> but yes. So, uh, Chris, why is it that reclining theater chairs are bringing millennials to theaters? I don't know. I guess they just want to kick back. But uh, 
Fandango ran a study basically to just see if those darn millennials are going to the movies. And at least during the holiday season, they're very much interested in uh, uh, attending, you know, films like Star Wars and the, the Jumanji sequel. And they basically they also did a study on what amenities that would draw millennials to the theaters. So uh, 65 percent of those polled said the reclining seats, which they have at AMC theaters, are what draw them to uh, the theater still. And 56% say big screen formats like IMAX are another draw. So um, what else? Oh, they also say that only 9% say that Rotten Tomatoes attributes to what they see. So I I feel like, uh, I don't know if it was last month or a few months ago, but there was a whole story about how studios were blaming Rotten Tomatoes for poor theater attendance. But according to this study... Hold uh, on a second here. Yes. Let, let's mention that Fandango is owned by the same company that owns Rotten Tomatoes, right? That's true. They do. So, have a so, so this is this seems like a conflict of interest all around. <laughs> well, first of all, the whole thing seems like a conflict of interest. Like Fandango, a company that sells movie tickets, reporting that a study proves that millennials are going to the movies, seems like. <laughs> A little bit of self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Are you alleging a conspiracy here? Everything is fine. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It it just seems strange. Uh, Last week we talked about Lady Bird and how it it became uh, the best-reviewed movie of all time on Rotten Tomatoes. Speaking of Rotten Tomatoes, Uh, and apparently that is no longer the case. HT, what happened? It's because of one darn contrarian film critic who uh, published his film review on December 10th and brought the perfect 100% score of Lady Bird down to 99%. So the reason that Lady Bird had won this coveted title of being the best-reviewed movie on Rotten Tomatoes was because it was the movie with 100% rating with the most reviews. So it had 169 reviews. And there's only a select few of movies that actually have over 100 reviews and have 100%. And that includes movies like Toy Story 2, uh, Man on Wire. And um, now Toy Story 2 has taken back taking back its crown as the best-reviewed movie on Rotten Tomatoes, and Lady Bird has fallen victim to a film critic named Cole Smithy. Yeah, and and there's there's some controversy behind this. Like, what is going on with this rating? Yes, so Smithy actually didn't give that negative of a review. He gave the film a B-, which you would think is not a, a rotten score by any means. But apparently, that's what Rotten Tomatoes judged it to be, uh, Though we did later learn that from Fandango, um, Fandango's Eric Davis, that the writers are the ones who can who uh, choose whether it's a rotten or a fresh review. So Smithy reportedly chose to put his B minus for Lady Bird as a rotten review, even though all of his past reviews that have had a B minus he has marked as fresh. So this probably means that he's either trolling or kind of a little well, he has bitter kind of that exp- Lady Bird. He kind of has an <laughs> experience of. Uh of not agreeing with the public conscious and movies, right? Yes. He is a, he's a bit of a contrarian, not to the level that Armin White is, but apparently he's an aspiring contrarian. So he's given films like Dunkirk and Wonder Woman, very uh, rotten reviews and uh, has, I think been very, has relished in the fact that people give attention to him and his reviews that 
take down very popular films. So basically, we have fell for it. Uh, we were giving him more attention. Well, I, I guess the question is, and I'll leave this to all three of you. Um, is it is it wrong that like you know Twitter and I mean, I guess even sites like ours are kind of calling out this guy for his opinion on a movie. Um, you know, is, is it is it wrong? I know Chris has some thoughts about this, right? I mean, it's it's a slippery slope. I mean, on one level, it's clear this guy is is trolling. Um, but on another level, I feel like it's it sets a bad precedent to sort of gang up on someone just because they don't like a movie that everyone else likes i mean you know it also it's rotten tomatoes shouldn't matter as much as people are making this out to be like just because one guy says lady bird isn't good it doesn't make the movie any less good like if you liked lady bird last week you're still allowed to like it today just because it's not at 100 percent anymore but at the same time i do agree that it's clear that this guy is just sort of being a jerk for the sake of being a jerk I feel like, um, you know, if we're going to put so much uh, as a society, if we're going to put in, in as a, uh, you know, as film Twitter and all that, or we're going to put so much weight into Rotten Tomatoes. I feel like Rotten Tomatoes should be the ones ranking if if something is fresh or rotten. I feel like putting it in control of the person, shouldn't it like just align? Shouldn't it like a B minus movie is fresh do you know what I mean like shouldn't it like just be based on the rating yeah it seems like there should be something in place for that but I don't know Chris do you are you a, a Rotten Tomatoes approved critic I think you are right yes I am so how, how does that process work on the individual level like do you physically have to submit whether you think something is fresh or rotten for every every movie that you submit or is it only on ones that are sort of contentious no it's everything you actually can't officially submit it unless you choose rotten or fresh it there's there's an there's like a drop down and you can either pick rotten or fresh for your review and if you don't pick either it won't let you submit the review and then there's also a little box where you can enter a grade like nine out of ten or b minus mm-hmm. huh so yeah this was very obviously like a deliberate choice that this dude made to to sort of rile things up but yeah i'm sort of with you chris in that like you know, even when Armin White was doing this with, I think he did it with Toy Story 3. He might have done it with one of the Dark Knight movies back in the day. Um, you know, everyone sort of gets up in arms about the idea of a movie losing a 100% rating. And, like, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter at all. Like, it's just uh, it's just something for, for film Twitter to, uh, to sort of get up in arms about until the next thing comes along. But, um, but yeah, the movie is, is always going to be the movie. So it, it's no big deal. And I believe Armin White is no longer on Rotten Tomatoes. Am I, am I correct in saying that? Um, oh, you might be. I don't know. He was kicked off a couple of his film circles, so you might be correct. Yeah, uh, something may have changed. I remember we, uh, us reporting, uh, slash home reporting that, um, and that was a big thing because uh, I, w- I, w- I would imagine someone like Armin White did not like Lady Bird, but <laughs> who knows? Yeah. Um, but that actually, uh, he actually is still on there. I just checked. And he actually gave Lady Bird a good review. So. Wow. <laughs> but it, it, is he on there as a Rotten Tomatoes, uh, Tomato Meter approved critic? Because yes, he can be on. Yeah, it says his reviews always count towards the Tomato Meter because he is an a- approved critic. Oh, wow. 
Okay, so he was removed at one point because he was kicked off some critic circles, uh, but he is he's still on there. So I, 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 I am incorrect. <laughs> um, but that does it for the news. Uh, where can we find more of all of your work on the internet? Chris, starting with you. I'm at SlashFilm.com, and I'm on Twitter at CEvangelista413. HT. I'm on Twitter at htrenbui. I'm on slashfilm.com, and I have a podcast, the Millennial Falcon Podcast, on iTunes. Ben. You can find me at slashfilm.com as well, and you can find me on Twitter at Ben Pears. You can find me at slashfilm on Twitter, on slashfilm.com. You can find all the stories we talked about today on slashfilm.com. Uh, this is a this show is under thirty minutes. I don't believe it. Uh, uh, you can <laughs> find uh, this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, all the popular podcast apps. If you have a question for us, you have a criticism, you have a comment, send it to Peter at slashfilm dot com. Uh, that gets to us. Uh, Peter at slashfilm dot com. Please leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention it on there in the mailbag. And uh, please give us a rating and a review on iTunes. Spread the word, and we'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>